This show was born a little over two years ago to talk about all the football landscape in South Louisiana, I guess. Uh, and somehow it's kind of, I, want, I almost want to say devolved into a Saints bitch fest. So you know what? Here we are on Thursday as we look ahead to a new week. We're going to put all that crap behind us. We're going to talk about the Saints. We're talking about our football predictions for the college uh, championship weekend and who might go to the playoffs. And we're going to talk about the Heisman Trophy. It's not just going to be the Saints stink. We can't do that for 45 minutes to an hour every time we come on the air. I mean, we can still do it a little. That's coming up. Zach Ewing's on with us. All up next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? Hello to all my friends elsewhere who are... They got it out their system. It's all out. Everything's good now. They feel good. Ready for a new week. The Saints just kind of suck now. It's not just all day, all night. God, I can't stand it. The Saints are terrible. Now it's just, yeah, the Saints suck. That's where we are. Although I did get some interesting email this morning. By the way, I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times and the advocate and bet.nola.com. And um, this is the final Datitude of November. Datitude episode number 193 for a, what is this? I just said it, Thursday, November 30th, 2023. I'm going nuts. I really think that uh, I don't, I don't, you start worrying because I'm getting to that point where my wife tell, told me the other day where we're going for Christmas. And uh, I said, well, why are we doing that? We never do that on Christmas. And she said, we just had this discussion two days ago. I didn't have one single recollection, not even like, a, you know, you know, oh, yeah, 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 I remember kind of talking about it. Not even a single kind of recollection. It was two days before. Now, Maybe she's going crazy and we really didn't have the, the discussion. But, I mean, you start wondering at some point. I mean, look, when you get to my age, you really start, you wake up in the morning, you go to bed at night, you try not to think about it in between, but if you don't start thinking about your own mortality when you get to my age, yeah, then you're a better person than I am. Because I certainly do. <clears throat> anyway, that's where I'm at. It's uh, We haven't got to talk about too much uh, personal stuff the last few weeks because it's been a weird Saints roller coaster. Well, really not a roller coaster. It's been going down. And so uh, Monday, I didn't have the uh, wherewithal or whatever to talk about anything that wasn't related to the Saints stinking. Uh, and I did have something, by the way. So I saved it. You know, I made a joke about the other day about who's worse at their job Pete Carmichael or LaToya Cantrell? Who's worse in the city of New Orleans? Who would you rather see fired? That's my, you can, you can let me know at jderry at theadvocate.com. I'm, 
I thank you. Uh, I thank all of you for. I've been having so many more responses. I don't read them all in the air, but uh, I've I've had a lot more comments and text and Twitter messages and whatever. Way more. I mean, way more this year than the last two years combined, by far, more. So I that means more people are listening and more people care. So I appreciate that. But you know, you do get messages, and I and I. Zach Ewing's coming on in just a moment. Um, and somebody asked me, if I take the Saints, does that mean I'm drunk? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not drunk. You might just be crazy. We'll talk about the reasons why and all that in just a minute. Uh, but uh, we asked the question. You know, you can answer it, again, at jdurtheadvocate.com. Who is worse at their job in the city of New Orleans? Who would you rather see fired? Pete Carmichael or Latoya Cantrell? Now, I don't really count. I can't really even vote because I don't live in the city of New Orleans. I mean, I live in Mandeville, so I'm, you know, I spend a lot of time in the city of New Orleans. But, I mean, I don't count as much as someone who actually lives in the city. But you can vote if you want. Even if this, this is an unscientific poll, you can vote if you don't live in the city. That's all right. So we'll see what you think. Uh, I'd be interested to get, if I get... More than four or five responses, we're going to revisit this. So tell me what you think. At jderry at theadvocate.com or find me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Jim Derry Jr. We're going to talk more about that next week because I said it in passing, and then I, afterwards I was like, you know, I really don't want to talk about politics on this show. I really, 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 really don't want to. I, like, I don't even like broach the subject because I'm afraid someone's going to think that I think a certain way. I don't know why I care if someone thinks... You know, I usually don't care if someone thinks, but I, I just don't want anyone to even kind of guess what my politics are because it doesn't matter as far as the show goes. But the world we live in today, if you think this way, you're this, or if you think that way, you're that. I mean, oh, God, we live in such a stupid world today. But anyway, uh, before we get on more of the show, um, I want to give a shout-out to Uncle Big Nick. As you... Most of you know the regulars that listen to the show. Um, he comes on just about every Thursday, and we give our best bets of the week. Um, we're not going to do that today. Um, Uncle Big Nick is uh, having some family issues, so say a couple prayers for him. Not going to go into detail about what he's going through, but uh, he and his family are going through a tough time at this moment. Um, so he will not be on today, and uh, I told him he can come back on whenever he's ready. So I'm going to suspend the uh, the best bets. Now, Zach Ewing, my old friend uh, who was the former sports betting director at NOLA.com, who is now the, the Saints uh, editor for the Times Speaking and the Advocate and, bet, and not bad, uh, Saints, the Advocate, uh, and NOLA.com. I'll spit it out eventually. Um he comes on and fills in for Uncle Big Nick. We don't necessarily give our five best bets, but we, we kind of go through the college football championship games this weekend. We tell you what we think about the top four. It's a weird year, isn't it, as far as college football? We haven't really talked a whole lot about it. And it's been so, I don't know. I just, again, I said it in the open, this was supposed to be a show that was about all football down here. It's supposed to be about Saints. LSU and Tulane, for some reason, it just kind of devolved into the Saints have stunk so bad they've, they've eaten the majority of the show. And I know a lot of you, that's what you want to hear. Um, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I don't get it. There are so many people out there that want to hear me just B 
bitch about the Saints. I don't know if I do it in a way that makes it different from other people, but whatever the Saints, like, and not just a regular loss, like when they stink like they stunk last Sunday, and it, it was obvious it's going to piss everyone off kind of loss. I mean, all losses kind of get you depressed, but there are certain losses that piss you off, and they've had three this year, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, and Atlanta. Those are the three I think that have really at least pissed me off. And it's no, you know, it's no coincidence, I guess, that those are the three high, most listened to shows of the year. Um, and three of the most listened shows ever. I think the, the show after the Jacksonville loss is the second most listened to Datitude ever. And now I've had uh, Mickey Lomas is number one. It's still number one. That's the most listened to show ever. But I've had Jim Moore on this show. I've had Dale Brown on this show. Um, I've had Mike Dettelier several times on this show. Obviously, all the Jeff Duncans. Uh, we had David Baker, who's the was the former NFL, uh, well, not NFL, but Football Hall of Fame president. Uh, who else have we had on the show? Stan Verrett. So all kinds of people on the show... And I know there's probably a few that are, that are blanking me right now. But all kinds of people on this show, and the second most listened to, to show, Datitude ever, 193 episodes now, is me bitching after the loss to Jacksonville. I, I don't, whatever. But thank you for listening. You like to hear me bitch. I'm not really going to bitch that much today. Um, before we get to Zach, yeah, one of the things I was talking about, and you know me, if you're Listen to the show. I'm, I got ADHD. I'm all over the place. Always. Uh, and the reason why I kind of brought up the Pete Carmichael Latoya Cantrell thing today is because I wanted to get your opinion on, on this. For you people who live in the New Orleans area and drive through the city and you get these random tickets in the mail, I get about one every few years, just out of the blue. The last two that I've gotten, and I, Hold the earmuffs for the kids because I'm going to use this word and I don't care. The, this one I got this week and the one I got before this, which was about three years ago, a complete and utter bullshit. It's the only way to put it. Or horseshit, whatever, whatever word, word you want to use in that vicinity, but that's the, what they were. They've both come in the same exact place. I'm not going to say exactly where. I'm just going to say they came in a school zone within... The first one I got a few years ago, school wasn't even in session. And I got one in a school zone during the week. Both times, by the way, coming from Fox 8. So the first one I got, again, going through a school zone when school wasn't even in session, I believe it was the week of Thanksgiving when they weren't going to school. Now, this last one I got was from, I don't know, earlier this month apparently driving through a school zone at 3.01 p.m. when it started, when the school zone started at 3 p.m. or 2.01 p.m. and it started at 2. I don't remember. Whatever it was, it was one minute after it started. I can tell you right now, there are a lot of things that I do that I shouldn't do probably, but it's never, I never, and I mean never, drive through a school zone faster than I'm supposed to. If those lights are flashing and where this particular school zone is, they have lights there 
that flash when in, the school zone is in session. I will never, ever drive speed through a school zone. Ever. So, bullshit. Not paying it. Do you guys pay it? If you have out of principle, um, if you get a ticket that you know you're not in the wrong, and I'm not going to go waste my... I've been to court in Orleans Parish before. Again, I'm not going to go into this detail either, but let's just say it was one of the worst... I'm not exaggerating. One of the worst experiences of my life. Um, the reason why I was in it there was one of the worst experiences of my life. And it did not get resolved. Let's just put it that way. So I'm not going back to, to go try to explain my situation to people who don't give a damn. I'm not doing that. So if you disagree with what you got and you know it's complete BS, are you going to go pay the, are you going to pay the ticket? That's my question. At jdarrettheadvocate.com. What that has to do with sports is n nothing. But, you know, if you, again, regulars who listen to the show know I like to talk about things that happen in my personal life from time to time. That's one of them. Not paying it. But I'm interested, to, you know, if I got a ton of feedback from people that said, you know what, I do pay it. I, maybe I'll feel a little bit differently. Maybe I would pay it. But you're going to give me a ticket for over $100? That I didn't deserve, 100% didn't deserve. I know people say I didn't do that or whatever. I'm telling you. It's, it's made up BS. Your timer, your clock is a little bit different than someone else's clock. And when the lights aren't on, if you got lights that tell you when the school zone starts and you're not using them, as far as I'm concerned, it ain't the school zone yet. Anyway, I digress. For those of you who have thumbed forward to see if I'm stopped talking about, uh, about this, you're good now. You don't have to thumb through anymore. We're going to get to sports. Uh, interesting week around here. Not just the Saints in Detroit. By the way, the Saints are a four-point underdogs. I think it's the first, point, first time they've been that big of an underdog since they went into Philly last year and won, by the way. Um, the Saints have only been underdogs, I think, I think at close, as they went into the game, I think they've only been underdogs once all year. And that was at New England. And we know what happened there. So what do we think of the Saints team? Do we think they're going to go into this week and play like they've been? See, you can't think like the average Joe fan. If you, I mean, I know a lot of you don't bet. You don't, a lot of people listen to the show, they don't bet, and they just, whatever. But thinking from it about this game from a betting perspective, and again, we get into this with Zach coming up. This, it's not, you can't just say the Saints are going to get their ass kicked because they're playing a Detroit team that's going to go to the playoffs. Playoffs? See, you still can't do it. Um, you can't just say that. This team has been Jekyll and Hyde all year long. This team, I think, could beat on a good day, I think the Saints can beat just about anyone. I don't think they can beat San Francisco. I don't think they can beat Kansas City. I don't think they can beat Dallas. They definitely don't match up well with Philadelphia, even though they beat them last year, but that was with Gardner Minshew. Those are the, and I don't think they can beat Buffalo because they don't match up well with Buffalo either. 
Those are the five teams that I don't think the Saints could beat. Like, even if they have a really good day and the other team was kind of off. I mean, it would have to be some freaky thing where the other team was just awful and they and the Saints won the turnover battle like three or four to nothing and whatever. But I'm just talking about on a regular day, if the Saints played their best football, I really, truly believe there's only like four or five teams that, okay, that team's going to beat them. Detroit's not one of those teams. Now, the Saints are banged up at receiver, but what people don't understand in the betting world, and look, Vegas knows, okay? They set lines at certain numbers. Now, the money will move the lines, but whatever they're set at, they are so darn close more often than not. If you don't pay attention, you should. Vegas knows. And so a lot of you are just thinking, oh, the Lions are that much better than the Saints. They're just going to kill them. No. I'd be shocked if the Saints got destroyed in this game. I mean, super shocked. Like, if they lose by double digits, I'm not going to be surprised if they lose. I'm not going to be surprised if they lose by, like, a touchdown. And then the, the Lions cover. I wouldn't be surprised. But I would be super surprised if they lost like they lost last week and just didn't show up. I don't care... The receivers, they don't, there are three receivers, it doesn't matter. Saints sometimes play better when their back's up against the wall and they don't have certain players. We've seen this before. I just think that they're going to be super focused. I'll let you know my prediction in a little bit. But I had a guy who, uh, who read my picks column this morning and, and texted me and uh, wanted to know, David Bordelon wants to know if I'm drunk. The answer is no. I haven't been drunk in a long time. Been many months since I've partaked in the alcohol. I don't have time to drink during football season. I just don't. So we'll get into that with Zach. We're going to get into, again, the college football playoffs. Who do you think should be the four teams in the playoffs? Um, and also we'll talk about the Heisman Trophy. Look, it's going to be a screw job. I'm just, I'm just letting you all know now. For those of you hoping, Jane, look, if I had a vote, right, it's easy. Jaden Daniels is the best player in college football, without a doubt. Hands down, not close. It's really not close. If you look at the numbers, it's not close. Uh, I've got some friends of mine on Facebook who they think Bo Nick should win it. They're idiots. I mean, and no offense. I mean, I say this with all love and friendship and whatever. If you think that Bo Nick should win the Heisman over Jaden Daniels, you're an idiot. Again, with, with all the love that I could possibly give you, you're an idiot. They have the same basically passing yardage. Their completion percentage is not that far off from one another. And Jaden Daniels has 1,000, 1,000 more rushing yards than Bo Nix. It's not close. And Bo Nix plays no one. Jaden Daniels plays in the SEC. It's not close. But yet he's not going to win it. Why? Because people are stupid. I mean, that's kind of the theme of life in general, right? People are stupid. I mean, stupid. I mean, Zach and I get into the reasons why we talk about what's going on with the Heisman voting. I mean, love him, don't care one way or the other, or hate him. Jameis Winston has a vote, and he gives you his reasoning uh, on his votes. We, we ran a story about it a couple weeks ago. Perfect example. 
He'd already made up his mind three weeks ago who he was voting for. Didn't matter who did what in whatever game. Nah, it didn't matter. But Jameis is an example of a lot of other voters, plenty of other voters who had already made up their mind. A lot of people made up their minds in October. Anyway, it is uh, Bo Nix is now a more than two-to-one favorite to win the Heisman, and uh, it should be like five-to-one because he's going to win. But we get into that with Zach Ewing all coming up. All right, so all those things coming up, and uh, we talk about we pick and choose kind of which conference championships we want to talk about. One of them is Tulane and SMU. Interesting matchup at Yulman Stadium. 3 o'clock on Saturday, which so happens to be the same time as the SC Championship. Do you have two TVs? Do you care about the SC Championship if you're a Tulane fan? Do you care about Tulane if you're an SEC fan? Well, I do. I'd like to watch both of them. Now, luckily, I have two TVs. One of them's a little one. But I'll have, I don't even know which, which game I'm going to put the big TV on. I'll have to figure it out. Probably Tulane. Um, we'll see. But uh, Tulane, SMU, a big one. If Tulane were to win, they almost certainly will get a, uh, a second straight invitation to one of the New Year's Six Bowls. Most likely, from what I understand, the Fiesta or the Orange Bowl. I tell you what, man, what, what a big deal for that program. If they could win on Saturday, go to the Rose Bowl and play USC last year, and then a potential go to the Fiesta of the Orange this year and play a big-name school, an Ohio State kind of – it's not going to be Ohio State because they're going to go to the Rose Bowl. But a team like that, well, maybe they won't go. I don't know who. Is the Rose Bowl one of the playoffs this year? I think it is, actually. So maybe they would play in Ohio State. I don't know. Could you imagine that? Tulane against Ohio State? You couldn't dismiss it because last year everyone dismissed Tulane playing USC. And what happened? Tulane won. Wouldn't be that high scoring again. But I'm just saying, even if it's not Ohio State, even if it's like a, a Penn State or a, or a, I don't know, Alabama. I don't know. Whatever. doesn't make a difference. For Tulane to have that chance is uh, is pretty cool. And they have a chance if they can beat SMU. They are home favorites. That line is down. Was five and a half earlier in the week. It is now three and a half. Who's going to win it? All these things we talk about with Zach Ewing. We're going to do it right now, and then we'll come back and close out the show. Welcoming into the Datitude Podcast on this Thursday morning. It's Saints editor Zach Ewing. We are ready to uh, go. It'll be just like old times. We'll be talking about uh, college football playoffs and the Saints in a little bit. I- I'm looking forward, Zach, to uh, renewing our passionate, uh, our-, our fervor, I guess should be the right word, over our debate on college football. And see, I haven't talked to you about this in a while. See where we stand on what we think about what four teams should be in. Now, they haven't played this weekend yet, so I know that obviously has a bearing on what we'll think. But uh, I'm looking forward to having a little debate. I had to laugh when you invited me on because I was just thinking <laughs> about it last weekend when all those games were ending about how we hadn't really gotten into it. And I, I thought about texting you and Spencer and then I thought, you know what? We're just, we're just going to let sleeping dogs lie. And no, then, man, you got to have fun with it. I mean, it's fun. It's a it little fun date. It is fun. And it's the last year we really get to do this because they're going to the 12. And I know we'll, we'll probably still argue about team 12 versus team 13, but at some point it's like, the bubble conversation for March Madness, 
you kind of like, okay, you can be mad for Pitt that they didn't get in or whoever, but ultimately they weren't going anywhere anyway. So, you know, does it really matter if you're 12? You know, know the the 13th ranked team is in CFP right now, right? Well, that's, it's, it's uh, Bayou Bengals. It is. That'd be an interesting Honestly, as a Missouri grad, they have a legitimate argument to be ranked higher than Missouri, who's as does Ole Miss. And Missouri's kind of getting the benefit of the polls for the first time in their history. So it would, it would be an interesting year for sure. I kind of like it, uh, I'll be honest. I mean, you know, of course, if it really mattered, I might feel differently. But I like that Missouri's up there. They've earned it. Um, it's been an interesting season for them for sure. There were times when I thought they would wilt and they didn't. Um, there were games, obviously, where they didn't finish off and they should have beat LSU probably. Um and didn't, but that's okay. Uh, but I like to see some new blood in there sometimes. And they were for real. Um, I didn't consider them for real probably until a few weeks ago, but uh, I think they're for real. They, they they are getting a ton of credit for giving Georgia a battle when no one else can. And Absolutely. I, don't, I don't know if that's right or not. I mean, that's such a college football thing to do to say, oh, well, th- this team's 10 and two and their best win is, I think it's number 21 K state, but man, did they give Georgia a battle? And so that's, that's sort of what that's what we do in college football. Well, we're going to talk about the Saints last. We're going to save the Saints for last because I really do think this uh, college football debate is interesting. By the way, if you, for those of you who don't know, like I said, Zach is the now the Saints editor, and he's the host of the Saints Insider Podcast, which runs several times a week here on all of our NOLA.com social media stations. Um, but I want to talk about college football now, and you brought up Georgia. I think that's an interesting segue. Um, to me, and the handicap for them this week, I think is simple in the fact of I think they get up for teams that they want to get up for, if that makes any sense. And they don't, they kind of play to the level of teams they think they're going to beat a little bit easily, if that makes any sense. Um, in other words, what I'm saying is like the Tennessees and the Floridas of the world, they had something to prove there. Not that they didn't know they would beat them, but. This like this rivalry. They want to beat the hell out of Tennessee. They want to beat the hell out of Florida. They even Kentucky to some extent because they're in the same division. But they don't get up for some teams. They're almost like the way Tulane's playing in the lower level. But I think this week they want to beat the hell out of Alabama, and I think they're going to play their best football. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Georgia's as good as they have been the past couple of years. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt of that because the the Georgia of the past couple of years, it didn't matter – whether they were up for the game or not, right? Right. They just pummeled everybody, except, except strangely for six and six Mizzou last year. Um, but they, I, I don't know. I don't think they're as good. I don't think they're as consistent, but I don't think the SEC is as good, and I don't think Alabama is as good. And so I think I, I think even laying the points, George is my pick. Um, it's something about Alabama just, I've never seen it. They're Alabama. not good. They, they win so much with smoke and mirrors, man. Like completely agree. I mean, has got hurt in that game. Otherwise LSU probably takes him to the wire. Auburn takes him to the wire. Uh, Ole Miss took him to the wire. Like that just doesn't happen with with Auburn. Just didn't, didn't just take him to the wire. Auburn gave, I mean, they had a fourth and goal of the 31. I mean, that's a, what a a 0.5 percenter. You play that play. You do that play 200 times and you get a touchdown one out of two. I mean, they're Alabama and they're lucky. So maybe let's just say it's a three percenter. Even if you're the luckiest of lucks, I mean, come on, man. Hey, do you think? Um, 
Do you think that if he wanted to, Jalen Milrow could still be back there waiting for a receiver to pop open? <laughs> I think it's possible. Now, somebody probably would have been uh, illegally downfield at this point uh, looking for a sandwich or My something. Line but... are dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but Jalen Milrow just doesn't impress me. Maybe he should. And I definitely think he's gotten better as the year's gone along. He's clearly better than he was in September. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, this guy is not a playoff kind of quarterback, in my opinion. And Alabama's not a playoff kind of team. I don't see any scenario, even if they beat Georgia. I mean, I don't want two SECs. And this is weird for me to say, because I hardly ever say this. I don't want two SEC teams in there. And and I I know that you're probably going to disagree because you said what the hell they're playing this game for. But I think Georgia belongs in whether they win or lose, and Alabama doesn't belong in whether they win or lose. Man, I think if I think of Alabama wins, you have to let them in, though. Like, and and this is where we're going to get into our argument because so then do you leave Georgia out? It's our whole, it's our whole, um, who what the definition of the word deserve is, right? Like, and and that's what we get into. I, I think the games have to matter. Um, I think the championship games is that that's one of my favorite things about the new twelve team playoff is that every conference champion. Well, the top, the top five, the top five, right. In. So it's the four major leagues plus one more, whether right. it's the American or the Sun Belt or Conference USA or whoever it is, Mountain West. Um, so I, I think those games have to matter. I will say if Alabama wins, like this could either be the cleanest of the four team playoffs we've ever had because you could have four undefeated teams. Yep. Not not to discredit what Liberty's done, but like, come on, okay, four four, four power conference undefeated right. teams, um, and it's just cut and dried. Like because I, I know you texted last night, you think Florida State has to be, and I agree. I, I don't I, I don't care if you go thirteen and zero. I don't care if you're missing pieces. You don't. The committee doesn't get to discredit you going thirteen and zero as a power conference team. So if, it, it could be the cleanest, or it could be the absolute messiest. And the, the one result that's going to make it the messiest is Alabama beating Georgia because then you bring Texas in because Texas beat Alabama. Um, you, you kick Georgia out. You probably bring Ohio state back into the conversation. Like all of a sudden you have six, one loss teams that all want to get in. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, you know, we always kind of root for mess a little bit just cause I mean, they don't deserve a clean, they, they just don't deserve a clean entryway and, because this system is so screwed up and I'm glad that they're fixing it somewhat. But this system is just anything that's based upon upon people's opinions uh, when you're talking about playoffs to me is absurd. It should have nothing to do with anyone's opinion. But that's what we have right now. That being said, this uh, and you, you, you say that it's the cleanest, it's the easiest. I agree. I mean, for the first time, I think maybe ever, I'm like, wow, they have the right four teams in there as of now. I mean, that doesn't mean they'll have the right four teams in there as of next Monday or Tuesday or what, well, they pick it Sunday, I guess Sunday night, I think is when they pick it. But uh, so that doesn't mean they'll have the best four teams in then, but to be this far to about to enter December and they had the right four teams. I don't care if they're undefeated or not. That's weird enough as it is. It, it is. I mean, I guess you just stumble on the right number every now and then like one year, once every 15 years, yeah, once one year, four will be the right number. The next year it'll be six. The next year it'll be two. I mean, there's been years where you're going, man, this would have been a perfect year just to have the BCS because uh, yeah. I mean, actually last year was an example. Of last that. year would have been yep. and Michigan. were clearly the top two. I agree. And then Michigan yeah. loses, which is the beauty of a playoff because, and that's the beauty of a 12 team playoff because one year 
the 12 seed will go on a run and beat the five and the four and give the one a scare. And we'll all be like, man, this is so great. And then a lot of years, the 12 is going to get killed in the first first round because the 12 seed is always going to be the, the two lane or the, you know, whoever the quote unquote smaller conference champion is. But yeah, I mean, four will be perfect some years, but my God. and actually it's funny. I, I was noticing this looking at the rankings. There's four 12 and O teams. There's four 11 and one teams. And then there's four 10 and two teams. Uh, in the, the that's the top 12 in the rankings. There's actually a couple more 10 and twos later down uh, Louisville and Iowa, but I think no one really argues that they've been less impressive than the other 10 and twos LSU is actually ahead of them, but um, you know, it's, it's just funny the way it would have worked out if it were a 12 team playoff. But yeah, I think, I think if, if Georgia, Michigan and Florida state all win, and I'll even go as far to say, I don't even think Washington has to win because they're big dogs. And I think if Oregon wins, you just put the winner of that game in. I, I don't have a problem. Which with is ridiculous, by the way. And we can get into this debate. I mean, does anyone think that Oregon is better than Texas or Alabama? I mean, I, even Alabama. I mean, I, I think Oregon might win the national championship. So, yeah. They played count, no one. Count me in that number. They played no one. Who did Texas play? They beat Alabama. Okay, but we just on got, the road. Alabama's not the, the first time. They're the first team ever to give Nick Saban a double-digit point loss at home. I mean, but we've we've just gotten over how this is not a very good Alabama team, and that was when it was still finding its way. And they're still just a one-loss team. Yeah, and they I, have been lucky, but they're still I, a one-loss team in the SEC. I'm not saying that that Oregon. I mean that uh, Texas is bad. Certainly, I'm just saying. I don't think you can look at Oregon and say, well, who have they played and not do the same thing to Texas? Because Oregon Oregon played Washington, took them down to the wire. Name me the best non-conference Pac-12 win this year. Well, the, fir- the first one that comes to mind, and I know it's, it's not the best, but lowly little Colorado came in and beat TCU in week one. Yeah, okay. Um, That's probably this. Actually, you know, we can joke about that. this, and it's not really a joke. It's sad. That's probably the second best non-conference Pac-12 victory all season, and I'm not exaggerating. I'll tell you what it is: Washington State beat Wisconsin, who's seven and five. There isn't a better, as far as records go. There's not a better. There's not a better win non-conference among the Power Fives than that. That's sad. And Utah beat Florida early on, but Florida ended up not being Florida's five and. Seven or whatever. Not being good. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that's fair. I don't, you know, Oregon versus Texas is an interesting one, but I think that if you include Oregon avenging its only loss, especially if they do it convincingly. Um, but we're talking know. about like this, like, like it already happened. I, I said if. Yeah, I mean, Aunt Mabel and Drunk Joe are betting all their mortgage money on Oregon this week, and I don't understand it. I just don't get it. I hope Washington beats the hell out of them. I, I, I mean, I'm a, you know me. I'm a Seattle guy. I would be all for that. Um, all right, well, let's get into some of our picks. I think we uh, kind of weirdly agree that the, the right now the top four teams are the top four teams who they are. I don't necessarily think we agree on who they should be if you throw a monkey wrench in there, but let's see who we think those monkey wrenches might be. I'm not going to go through all the the conference championship games, but let's get into that one. Washington is a nine and a half point dog in Vegas, Pac-12 championship against Oregon. The over under is 66. So if it's, if Oregon's defense is so damn good, 
Um, why the hell is the, this total 66? Because Washington's offense is really good. I I, I will say this, that, and I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed not to have, I guess, formulated this idea in my head before, considering that I was covering sports betting. But the higher the total is, you need a higher point spread to match it, right? Like if you... It, if the, if the total in this game was 36 instead of 66, there's no way you'd have a nine and a half point favorite because that's True. a quarter of the points scored in the entire game. A nine and a half point favorite is not as big of a favorite when you've got a potential of, you know, 60, 70 points being scored in the game. So I, I think the spread is so big partly because of that, because they expect it to be a shootout. And in a shootout, you can win by 10, and like LSU did to Missouri when that was a pick six, but they won by 10, even though it was a close game that came down to the wire. You, that just stuff like that happens in a shootout. So you kind of have to increase that number. Having said that, I think Oregon is playing better than anybody in the country, possibly save Michigan. Um, and I, I'm not touching this game because that's too many points, but I also, I, I, I think there's a chance they cover it. I am touching this game. I'm actually, I've only made before this week, uh, I've only put one college game in my big bucks all year long. It was last week, Florida state minus six and a half over Florida. Now look, I got a little lucky to cover there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I got lucky at the end to cover there, but this is going to be in my big bucks. I think Washington, I wouldn't surprise me at all if Washington wins. Um, I don't get this number. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. It makes sense what you're saying. But the fact that they were, I think the spread the, the first time they played was three. Um, and now you're telling me that throughout the course of the season, Washington's going undefeated. I admit that they haven't played probably as well as some teams would have liked. But I, I just think that Washington is at least good enough to to make it a close game. I think it's a one-score game either way. Um, and I really wouldn't surprise me. I wish I had the the cojones, I guess, to, uh, to pick the Huskies on the money line at plus 310. I don't, but uh, I think Washington covers this game. And it, again, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they won. Yeah, you, you hit it on the head. Like what, Washington hasn't done anything since then to really impress you because they've been, you know, they're, yeah, they're undefeated, but they screwed around with Stanford. They screwed around with Washington State. Uh, what was it? Was it Cal? No, it was Arizona State. They screwed around with Arizona State, yeah. And and in the meantime, they didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game. Yeah, in, in the meantime, Oregon has has won by 14, 29, 44, 9. That was the closest one against USC. Then thirty six and twenty four since. Yeah, then. but none so of those those wins mean anything to me. They're wrecking. I mean, they're just beating nobodies. They're beating the the, the bowels of the Pac twelve, which State won't even exist next year. Team. Huh? Oregon State was a good team. Yeah, that, that that is a thirty-one to seven win over Oregon State is impressive. The fact that it's a rivalry game that 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 actually is impressive. But other than that, I mean, I just can't find one that I love. I, I don't know. Utah, well, maybe I'll be proved wrong. You know, I, I, I'll say this: when they beat Utah, Utah was number thirteen, and Utah didn't have a quarterback. Uh, yeah. And so, in retrospect, it's like, yeah. But at the time, that was a big game. I mean, they went into Salt Lake City and just thumped them, which is not easy to do. By the so, way, I think it's a, it's absurd that Bo, and I mean literally absurd that Bo Nix is the leading candidate over Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman. I, I mean, I get that that there's there's bias floating in here. So I mean, I, I fully admit that. But when you put their numbers next to each other and they had the same passing numbers, and Jaden Daniels has a thousand more rushing yards, it's absurd that Bo Nix, in a shitty conference, is ahead of him. In my opinion. 
I've got, I've got a seven to one ticket on Daniel, so I hope you're right. Um, That's not going to happen. Bo Nix is going to win. I, I, I mean, I, I'll say this. I think in a normal year, if you look at Bo Nix's numbers and say, yeah, his team's 11 and one, maybe they'll be 12 and one. Like, he's a viable Heisman candidate. I don't have a problem with it. But like you said, J- Jaden's numbers are so f- far and beyond better than anybody else's. And, it, you know, it'd be one thing if he, if he played for, you know, Fresno State or something, not to right. not on Fresno State. Exactly. But, you, know, you know, and he's racking up numbers against teams. He gets to play Hawaii or New Mexico. Exactly. Week. But you're talking about a guy who's playing in the SEC and doing that. He's, he's got to be the best player in America. And when you put up 600 total yards, excuse me, of offense against Florida, I get that Florida is not having a great year, but they're still in the SEC. 600 and something total yards of offense. And then he puts almost 400 against Texas A&M, who has one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah, I I don't, I I just think it's, it's Daniels. It should be Daniels. And I'm probably biased too with between my bet and living here and listening to everyone gush over him, but uh, like I said, Bo, Bo Nix's numbers, he's having a great year. Most years you'd be like, yeah, that's, this is not a cheap Heisman. He deserves it. But this particular year, I just think Dan- Daniels is like a, a far and away the choice. And I, I don't know. Um, I guess that's another reason to root for Washington, right? Yeah, it definitely is. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, what happens if Bo, what happens if this goes over the total and Washington wins? Let's say it's a 37-35 Washington win. And Knicks is 30 of 40 for 378 yards and four touchdowns. Are they still going to give it to him? I think they would. I will say it's one of the closer. Usually by this point, we know who's going to win it. Oh, like, yeah. We, you know, there I is know, I think we do know. one guy's minus 200. The next guy's plus 150. There's none of that. Like there, yeah. at this point, there's somebody who's minus a thousand. I got to be honest. I don't feel in my gut that there's, I think the, I think Bo Nix is a, as far as betting goes. I think I don't even know what he is today. What is he like minus one eighty ish? I mean, I don't have it up on my screen. I um, guess I have DraftKings up. He's minus. Okay, 180. I I actually have have it up on my screen. Here it is, right here. Uh, it as of right now, as we speak, it's up to minus two twenty now. And honestly, I still think that's a value. I think there's I think that's value because I don't think that I think there's. Super small chance. I'm, I'm talking like 10% chance that Daniels wins the Heisman. I mean, Knicks would have to be awful. I mean, I don't even think a loss does it. I think he has to lose and like be really bad in the loss. If he's good in a loss, I think he still wins it. I think the voters are, are really dumb. I hate, I, hate, I hate how we do this stuff. I guess I, I don't know a better way to do it, but I just hate how we do this. It's well, absurd. I'll say this. like, And I know that the past winners are sort of a small portion of the voters. And, and no voter, like college football is so massive that no voter is going to be able to watch all the games they need to watch to do this fairly. Some of them probably put in a lot of effort and do a, do a decent job. And that's why they get voters from all over the country. But Rod Walker, our, our New Orleans columnist, he talked to Jameis Winston in the Saints locker room a few weeks ago. I read that. About his Heisman vote because Jameis Winston as a past winner gets a Heisman vote. And Jameis Winston mentioned Jaden Daniels. He mentioned Michael Penix. And then he mentioned Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback who had just broken his leg. And that was who he was going to vote for. And what struck me about that is that, n- number one, uh, those are all three guys that J- that Jameis knows. So he's basically just voting for his buddies. Exactly. Okay, and there's a problem with that. Now, 
he's one one voter out of a thousand. So does it really matter? I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and raise hell about it. But he did he he probably didn't even realize Bo Nix was having a good year. Um, and so that's a problem. And then the second problem of it is here we are. They still had three games to play at that point, and he's already decided who he's voting for. Exactly. So and he said, "I'm voting for Jordan, even though he got injured." I think he was up there, and that's that's not absurd. Like Jordan Travis was having a good year, but once he breaks his leg and he only plays nine out of twelve games, I I don't know that you can justify that vote anymore. And here, not only had Jameis justified it, but he's already said that's who I'm voting for a month from now. I had a small ticket on uh, Jordan Travis uh, from September, so. I hope they all feel that way. I mean, I hope it comes out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, Jordan Travis wins the Heisman. I'm all for it. They roll him out there in his wheelchair. (laughs) That'd be hilarious. They should do that. All right, well, I mean, I think we're in agreement there, and I think most normal people who watch football, college football on a regular basis, again, I completely admit my bias. I went to LSU, for God's sake. But that being said, when you put the numbers together and you take – if you take the names off and you say, this guy played in the SEC, here are his numbers. This guy played in the Pac-12, here are his numbers. This guy played in the Pac-12, here are his numbers. I don't think it's close. I don't I don't need to see anything else. I mean, to me, that's clear and, you know, it's a slam dunk. Bo Nix, the first time against Washington, was 33 of 44 for 337 yards, two touchdowns, and 24 yards rushing. If he does that again, he's going to win it. Oh, clearly. No matter whether they win or lose. You would need to be worse than that. Yeah, win or lose, that he he gets it no matter what happens there. All right, let's let's move on. And I, I think you already kind of alluded to your pick, but also in my best, I have two college football picks in my big bucks this week. And see, I'm saying this before we even get to big bucks, so I guess I'm kind of like stealing the thunder, but maybe they'll listen to this after big bucks. Who knows? Um, Alabama and Georgia, we both talked about it. I think we both feel the same way. I'm probably a little bit more strongly on the – the Georgia front. Georgia's won me some money and some bragging rights in the past. So I'm going to stick with the Bulldogs here, minus five and a half. Obviously, the money is coming in on Alabama because this line opened up six and a half, quickly went to six and kind of stayed there for a little bit. And it's been five and a half for like the last couple of days and kind of stabilized. I think, I don't think it goes any lower than this. If anything, I think it goes back to six. Uh, what do you like? Um, I, I do like Georgia at anything under six. I'm not crazy about it, but I probably will sprinkle a little bit on it. Um, I'll tell you what what I do like from from championship weekend is um, the Michigan-Iowa under, which is, I believe, 35 and a half. What about the Iowa team under? Well, that's a good thought. I hadn't looked at that. Do you know what it is? I do. Is it three and a half? Six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. I was going to say three and a half. I don't think I could touch it, but maybe. Do you think they score? I mean, they could get a turnover, set something up, right? They could, I mean. I think someone told me it's actually 0.5 in the first half. The the thing about Iowa is that they will grind out yardage and they find themselves in field goal range two or three. That's why they're 10 and two, because their defense is so good and they find themselves in field goal range a couple times a game. So their offense will score like six points and then they might get a turnover to set up a touchdown drive and make it 13 and they beat you 13 to 10. I mean, like that, that's how they win. And against Michigan, that's obviously not going to work. But I went out of Iowa and Mizzou. Offense versus defense. It's funny you say that because some people have that as if Mizzou falls out of the New Year's six, it's probably who they'll play in the situation. That would be fun. Um, I, I'll pass. Thanks. But you'll I, pass. 
Mizzou's played Iowa in bowl games before. I want, I want some somebody new. I'd like to see I'd like to see Mizzou play Penn State actually. Um, yeah, that would be more scoring though. That's that's who I'd like to see. Um, I I don't know. I think I think Missouri's probably a slightly better team than Iowa. I'm trying to think of who they face that's the most like Iowa this year. It might be Georgia uh, or K State. Um, you know, and they play uh, Georgia doesn't have the same defense they usually they they've been having. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't know what the answer is to that. It, that Missouri that, didn't play Texas A&M, did they? No. Okay. It, it would be interesting. Um, so anyway, I, I do like the under there just because I think Iowa will make life difficult enough. And Michigan likes to run the ball anyway. So once Michigan gets out to like a 14 nothing, 14 to three lead, that game is gonna go super fast. And that over under is now thirty-five, by the way, as we record this on Thursday morning. Thirty-five. I, Michigan is a twenty-two point favorite. So I guess what they're telling you is uh, Michigan's going to win uh, what twenty nine to six, something like that. I, and that's that's about where I see like maybe slightly lower a twenty seven to six or a, a twenty four to ten or you know like even thirty one nothing I think is in play. I, I just I don't think Michigan's going to roll up more than thirty by itself. And but I, I actually think Michigan's defense is pretty good, so I don't know that Iowa's going to score. Yeah, they might not. So I like the under there. Um, the more I think about it. And, and this is a switch from early in the week, but I actually like Florida State to cover two and a half against Louisville. So do uh, I. I think I think people are just way too in on the quarterback thing, without 100%. realizing like Louisville's offense is it's fine, it's good, but it's not elite. And Florida State's defensive line is elite. Uh, and so I actually like the under in that game too. I, th- I think Florida State could really dominate that game, but I like and, them minus two and a half. And as we speak, it's really more like two point seven five because it's two and a half juice to the. Juice to the closer to the three. So it's minus 120. That line will probably get to three. Whenever you see 2.5 at minus 120, it usually gets to three by, by game day. So if you want Florida State at, at that number, you need to do it now. It's interesting because they, they, Florida State was, actually, I think they opened three and a half, and it went down, and now it's coming back up. So I, yeah. I might actually wait for the three and get even money and just say, hey, I think they can they can cover the three. And then the other one I like, which won't be popular around here, but I got a sneaking suspicion SMU beats Tulane. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, I was on Tulane early in the week and then I started looking at it. And the more I look at it, the more I don't like Tulane. Um, I don't think this is a good matchup for Tulane at all. I don't like the way Tulane's been playing um, defense uh, against certain teams. Uh, they've, they gave up 140 something yards of rushing offense last week. And I get that Preston Stone uh, broke his leg, and they've got a backup quarterback at SMU. But th- this this second string quarterback apparently runs the ball very well. And as good as Tulane's Russian defense has been, I don't know that they're ready for this kind of quarterback. Yeah, I I, I think SMU is a lot better than people think. I that agree. would be that would be another interesting one too. Is, is if SMU beats Tulane, then who is Liberty? The, I, I mean, I assume it's Liberty. But would SMU zoom that far up in the rankings if they beat Tulane? I don't. I don't. I know. would hope so because they would deserve it. But I know they have two losses, so I mean it's hard, it's hard to take a two loss SMU team over Liberty, which who would be undefeated. Should be James Madison, honestly, but they're not eligible. Yeah, well, that's a whole different story. We don't. We need another podcast for for that one. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I, again, I liked. I've been saying all year I've been liking Tulane, but I just don't like the way they've been playing. They played well last week against UTSA, um, but I think that's kind of a false front, so to speak. 
Um, I don't think UTSA was as good as people think they were either. Uh, but again, SMU kind of plays with that swag, and Tulane just hasn't been. They've been playing cat and mouse games and doing whatever they need to do just to win, and that's just not going to work here. Uh, um, and on a dreary day at Yulman, even if the rain's gone by then, it's going to be ugly. Um, it's going to be kind of cloudy, overcast, and just don't. It just got a bad vibe all week. So I'm 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 with you. I'm taking. I'm not going to say SMU outright, although I kind of do like the money line at plus 143 at the moment on Caesar Sportsbook. But uh, I'm going to take SMU with you. All right. Um, so before we get on to the Saints, give me your four teams that are going to make the college football playoff. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Florida State. Unfortunately, and I know this isn't, any fun for people because we had so much fun last year going at each other back and forth. And we even made a highlight reel out of part of one of them. I agree with you. Um, I, I think that's the, that's the four. I don't think that's the best four in the country, but I do think that is the, the four that it will be. I will say that if I were a voter, if I had a say, so in Oregon beat Washington, I would make it um, Georgia, uh, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and I would put Texas in, but I don't have a say so. so. I don't think that's crazy. I, I do think you'd have three of the four best teams in the country if if it was what we say, because I think Oregon is that good. I, Florida State is not that good. Um, I'm not sure they were top four even with Jordan Travis. They're probably more like top six or eight, but yeah. they're undefeated, and you put them in. The thing that it would bother me is that I think they would make Georgia the one seed, which makes sense, but then Michigan would be two, and I'll bet Oregon would be three. And I'd rather see. Uh, I think I think Michigan and Oregon are the two best teams, and I'd rather see them meet in the in the final than in the semifinal. But. Yeah, but Georgia's earned that right, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I will say this about Florida State. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself. If you listen to what I said about TCU, but I will say this: the difference is that Florida State. I don't want ever want to see a team punished because they lost a player, and. Florida State with Jordan Travis is clearly, in my opinion, I mean clearly. I don't. We can debate this to so with someone else somewhere else, but I think Florida State clearly with Jordan Travis is the fourth best team in the country, if not the third best team in the country. Um, and I just don't think they should be punished for that. And that kid, that gruesome injury, I couldn't feel worse for him. And I hope uh, I hope he heals well. I hope he gets a chance to play in the NFL. And I hope Florida State wins this week. And I've never been a Seminoles fan, by the way. I've never – I don't know that I've ever really rooted for Florida State because I just don't like them. I never liked Bobby Bowden. I don't like the program, whatever. But I'm rooting for them this week because they deserve to get in there, and I hope they do. So To get injured against North Alabama, too, is just like, man, it's it's almost a tragedy. It, it Well, I don't want Alabama. It's like last year. I didn't really want Alabama to get in. I I said said North Alabama. Oh, North Alabama. Well, they woke up in just in time in that one. Yeah. And he gets, yeah, he gets injured against North Alabama. And then uh, the the backup comes in. And for a while, I'm like, they might lose to this team. And then they they finally picked it up. But I can't imagine the emotion. You, You saw all the emotion from these kids just on knees and whatever. You know, it's just, God. It, it was it was heartbreaking. Just even if you don't like a team like there, I can think of, I can't stand Michigan, but if that happened to you know the best player on Michigan's yeah. team and they were all sitting, I'd feel the same way. Yeah, you know, it's uh, part of the human emotions of things. All right, let's get to the 
the New Orleans Saints. It's been a weird week. Um, Can you really create seen... that noise? By the way, that was perfect. Yeah, you can only really do it once. It just kind of comes out. Got to have the emotion behind. No, no, no. It's it's some weird side. Look, I think that it's from a betting standpoint. You're getting the Saints at the exactly the right time because there ain't a single soul on planet Earth outside of like Derek Carr's mama or maybe Dennis Allen's wife who thinks the Saints are going to do anything the rest of the year. And here come the Detroit Lions who are in the same, kind of in the same boat. The Saints are a team that they can't stand prosperity. But once you put them on that line, you're like, okay, you lost two in a row now. They find a way to win. So this is a really strange week. Uh, as they go in in a four-point dog at home. They haven't been a four-point dog in a while. Um, and I can go back to last year. I guess they were four-point dogs probably in Philly, probably a touchdown dog in Philly last year. But I just – this is an interesting spot for the Saints. It is. Um, I think that I, – I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that they will come out and play hard, possibly play their best game of the year. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but I will say, and I, I no longer bet on Saints games now that I cover them, but if four and a half points, is, which is up to four and a half this morning, is a lot for this game. It's like, still four at Caesars Sportsbook, by the okay. way, and it's been, it's been hanging steady there. I, I always look at ESPN scoreboard, and so they don't use Caesars anymore. They use, yeah, they use their own. Yeah, their own book, and so it's, it's four and a half there. Um, <clears throat> I, like the market ratings would have this as like a two-point spread. Right. And so you're getting a huge discount through a key number. And I understand the Saints have injuries, and that's part of that. And I'm not discounting the fact that they're... 93% of the money and 92% of the tickets are on Detroit, minus four. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, and, and this is not a slight to Chris Olave or Rashid Shaheed, but a couple of receivers are not worth two and a half points. <laughs> They're just not, uh, especially not through a key number. Yeah. Well, Chris Olave is not worth anything right now. I mean, he's Chris, been, Chris Olave may play, by the way. He practiced yesterday. He'd be the first. Wouldn't he be the first all year? Uh, Brock Purdy did it. Okay. So he'd be the second. Um, and, and that would really surprise me because Chris Olave had, was in concussion protocol for a couple of weeks last year. And usually if you, you start getting into the multiple concussions in a short period of time. That's when they, they really are careful before they let you back. Especially after two is thing. Exactly. So I, I would be really surprised if he plays, but I was surprised yesterday when the report came, like he was at practice and he, he was just doing individual drills, but that's the first step back from the protocol. And he still has, you know, three days to, to get back. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't understand why this line has gone from two to four and a half. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And uh, even last week before they played, it was three. It was three going into last week's games. And Detroit goes out and lays an egg against Green Bay and just stinks. I mean, that they should have lost by worse than that. And I understand the Saints stunk as well, but you're talking about Two different teams. I think Detroit is ready to – I've been saying this for weeks. I've been waiting for them to go on a slide a little bit because I just don't think they're as good as everybody thinks they are. I, I don't think Jared Goff is as good as everybody thinks they are. I think their offensive line is fantastic. Uh, I think their running game is very good, but I don't think Jared Goff is that 
great of a of a game manager. And I think the Saints defensive front can can get him off of his heels a little bit. Uh, I'll say this, and this this is my unpopular opinion of the day. I'm I'm more concerned about the Saints defense than I am about their offense. Oh, this, you should be. And that's not to say that I think their offense is better than their defense, just to be clear. But I think the way this team was built was to win games with defense and to, you know, to kind of manage the game on offense. And yes, they need to be better in the red zone. Like that goes without saying they were, they were awful in the red zone, but before the Atlanta game, they had seemed to figure some things out in the red zone, partially by saying, let's use this jumbo package. Let's run Taysom a lot. Um, you know, let's let's change the way that we're the change the things we're asking Derek Carr to do because obviously this is where he struggles, and they did that against Indianapolis. They did that to a certain extent against Chicago, Minnesota. They didn't really have a chance because because Carr was hurt before they got into the red zone. I think maybe once, um, but the Atlanta game, these were they never got a chance to do that because they would either have a penalty as soon as they got into the red zone and be facing first and twenty, or um, they would have like uh, Ryan Ramchek went out because his shoe was messed up or something. Right. And Landon Young comes in and gives up a sack and his one snap. And all of a sudden they're back out of the red zone and, or, or they turned it over. And one of those was obviously on Derek Carr's terrible throw. And again, he struggles in that area. And then the other one was Taysom Hill fumbling, which you don't expect to have happen. And so my point is they could have, they could have managed that game a lot better if just one or two tiny little things go their way in the red zone. Um, and meanwhile, the defense was just getting gashed. And if it wasn't for Desmond Ritter throwing two picks right to Tyron Matthews' chest, they probably, like, I don't know, they gave up 450 yards in that game and 30 points. I mean, it was ugly. But if you look at the six teams that the Saints lost to this year, all six of them, I mean, you, you could make an argument that Jordan Love is an immobile quarterback, although he can move around. Um but all six of the Saints' losses this year are against teams with quarterbacks that can move. Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Josh Dobbs, and Desmond Ritter. The Saints can't beat quarterbacks that can move. I mean, it's, it's been proven, at least in the recent past. And the teams that they beat have quarterbacks that are statues. And Jared Goff is a statue. That's a good point. And not only is it, you mentioned Jordan Love um, and Bryce Young's this way too. And they didn't, they, they won that game, but um, he kind of gave CJ Stroud's probably like this too. They don't rack up a ton of rushing yards. No, but they can but they, move. They keep plays alive. And that's where the Saints struggle is all of a sudden this, this man to man coverage that they're so good at that is still yep. the strength of their team eventually is going to break down. You can't cover people forever. And if the quarterbacks are moving around and making the saints cover people forever, especially without Marshawn Lattimore in there, then, then yeah, it's, it's uh, it could be an issue. And so you're right. That's, that's an advantage the saints have. And more than anything, it's just like this feeling, like you said, it would be just like this team when everybody's given up on them and thrown them into the garbage dump and forgotten that to turn around and beat a playoff team and spark everybody's hope again. I say this on uh, the final bet, which was recorded yesterday, and it comes out tonight on Fox 8. I know this is before your time, but Helen Reddy once sang, it's you and me against the world, and I really think that the Saints are going to feel that way inside the locker room. Everyone hates us. They hate us. And they're going to play like that, and uh, they're going to use that to their advantage. And, again, 
I think this is a good matchup for the Saints. I really do. I don't. The only thing I don't like is Aiden Hutchinson against this offensive line. But the offensive line actually has been playing a lot better. They were up to 17th in PFF last week. They dropped to 20th going into this week. But it just goes to show you this O-line has really improved once they got Penning out of there. And I think Andrus Pete has done a really nice job at left tackle, surprisingly. Um, and this O-line is much improved. If they can slow down Aiden Hutchinson, I think the Saints have a good chance to score some points this week. And I think it'll be a fun game. I like the over. I do too. I absolutely like the over. I agree with you. I, I don't think, I, I mean, and it's, it's high. Hard. It's the highest over the saints have had all year. I think it's 46 as of right now. J- Jared Goff is a statue, but he's still got playmakers everywhere. He does. And then the other thing is they've got a hell of a running back tandem and the saints have, have not been able to stop the running game all year. But David Montgomery's banged up right now. He's probably going to play, uh, but he's having health issues and he's kind of had health issues all the year long. Um, Jameer Gribbs has been fantastic. There's no question about that. Um, but, and you're right that the saints are what I think ranked 20th or 21st against the run. And, but and a lot of that is because of I, quarterbacks. Yeah. It, it, some of it is, but, but, um, T- Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson, both carved them up. Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss, both carved them up. Yeah. Um, so it, especially when you have these teams that have two running backs and they can cycle them in there. Uh, I, I think I was looking this up and I'm, I'm going to double check while we're talking. But the um, the Saints, if you just look at the last each team's last three games, the Saints are thirty first against the run in the NFL, at like one hundred and sixty five yards a game. And I like look, you can three game snippets; it's cherry picking. I, I get right. that, but it's still illustrative as to how much they've they've struggled. Well, I mean, you could pick a cherry pick. You know, the Saints had a three game stretch on offense where they were probably third or fourth in in, in the league earlier this year when the car was throwing for 350 yards or whatever it is, had a thousand yards over a three game stretch. So yeah, yeah there it is 169.7 yards per game over the last three games. That's 31st in the league better than only the Arizona Cardinals. That's pretty awful. So, but you know, I will say this as before we go off, I mean, I guess we'll make a prediction. I'm going to talk probably more in depth about it on Friday morning with Larry Holder here on the, on the show. But, um, I just I, I don't even I, I don't even think it's just a cover. I think the Saints win this game. I really do. I think they're gonna come out now. They may lay an egg during this three game homestand. It wouldn't shock me, and it can't shock anyone if they were to lose to Carolina or the Giants. Um, I, but I think they win this game. We'll worry about later later. But I I like what I heard as far as the things that I've heard this week. I really do think they have a us against the world mentality. And maybe this will get them together a little bit because I don't like the chemistry that I've seen from this team. And I've I said Monday, and I truly believe that at least on Sunday, they played with no heart, no heart whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true in some cases. I think, like, if you listen to our Saints Insider podcast yesterday, Jeff Duncan rewatched the game and was concerned about effort on the defensive line. Um, Derek Carr, after he threw the interception, kind of lollygagged after uh, Jesse Bates. He's a lollygagger. He, he did not run hard. To go to, and I'm not sure he would have tackled him anyway. But maybe he, he probably has a better angle than anybody. Maybe he slows him down. Jamal Williams busted his ass to get down there all the way to the end zone. Maybe yeah. Jamal Williams gets that tackle if Carr is able to, to be in the area too. So I, I don't know. Um, I think there's a little bit of that. Obviously needs to improve. I I thought about picking the Saints. It wouldn't surprise me if they won. 
I don't think I'm going to do it. We'll do our final predictions on our Saints Insider tomorrow. But um, I I went through a stretch where I picked the Saints to lose in New England. <laughs> it was just like Yikes. um partially because our we had four people on our Saints coverage team at that point, and the other three were all picking the Saints. And I thought this is ridiculous. You know, we can't all pick the Saints in a game. New England was actually favored in that game, by the way. Right. It was like one the, and a half, I think. Yeah, that's the only game the Saints have won as an underdog this year. In fact, I, I think that's the only game the Saints have not been favored in this year until this week. I think they're one and oh as an underdog. Um, it, you know what? I think you're right because I think they've all yeah. they've been underdogs in a few games, but they all closed the Saints as the favorite. The, yeah, the game in Green Bay, they flipped and they were favorites, and and same thing I think with Tennessee in the opener. And so, um, yeah, it, it, I think that was the only other time they've been an underdog and they won. So they certainly could win. But after that game in New England, I kind of started drinking the Kool Aid and I picked them in Houston and I picked them against the I even picked them against Jacksonville on the Thursday night. I picked them in Indy and I picked you know. And, and they won some of those games. But I finally said, you know what? I'm done until they can prove me wrong. And so I picked against them last week, and I, I think I've got to do it again. It's funny that uh, it's interesting that literally right after I gave you my prediction, and I mean like to the second, I don't know if anyone in the background heard my email ding, but they, he must have read my uh, my picks column, which just came out this morning at 8 o'clock. It's from David Bordelon who says, if you're taking the Saints, you are the one who is drunk. I'm not sure where the drunk part came in, but what's okay. you, what you drinking there, Jim? I mean, look, people could say what they want. You know, they they don't they never write back when they're wrong. When they when they say stuff like this to me, they like to write back afterwards. If the Saints lose, he'll write me back probably Monday morning or maybe even Sunday night and tell me how big of an idiot I am. But they never write me back when if the Saints win, I'll never hear from this guy again. Why do we think that is? Well, people are quiet when they're happy, I guess. It's it's the same way, like, whatever political party is not in power is the one you right. guys are squawking on TV. Um, it's it's the same thing because people can't stand being, uh, you know, having their team lose or their political party lose, and, and they want to vent. So I guess that's what it is. But if I ever go at someone, which is, I don't really don't go at uh, individuals that often, let, let's just say – you know, I was pretty mean to the Saints this past week. I mean, Monday I was, you know, face it, I was who I am. If they come out and play it, I'm going to give them credit on Monday. I don't understand people who, like, if you're going to come at someone, then have the chutzpah, whatever it is, to come back and say, you know what, you were right. I don't know how you saw that or whatever. Good for you. I mean, why can't people do that? Hey, they'll keep listening, man. Maybe that's all that matters. That's true. I guess they're listening. That, that's a good thing. Well, I hope they were listening today. It was a good conversation, Zach Ewing. Uh, Saints Insider Podcast. Are there a specific date? I know I know you guys kind of like, uh, you, you're going right after the games are over. I know that. And you have a preview. But what, what else do you have? We, we've settled into Wednesdays and Fridays during the season and then the postgame show on Sunday. Now, like, when they have the Thursday game, on December the 21st, I think we'll probably just do one. I don't know if it'll be Monday or Tuesday, but other than Christmas that, it'll, week. Yeah, it'll be Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, and then in the off season, we might cut it back a little bit except for certain weeks. But but yeah, that's that's what we're doing. That means NOAA.com has sports shows on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then Sunday's when the Saints play. We're, we're here. So, I mean, we got you covered. I think I think the LSU guys do their. Oh, and the LSU guys, yeah. Days are Tuesdays too, so so um, just about every day. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 a cool thing, man. And so 
we're just doing, we're only doing it on the saintsonnoah.com YouTube channel and the Facebook page. So you have to go check out one of those two places. We're trying to funnel that audience in, but it's, it's been good. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow. In fact, yes, check out yesterday's episode. The entire thing was like, is Dennis Allen on the hot seat and are the saints going to fire him? Oh, so, I'm going to have to go back and watch that. That, that was a fun talk. Um, it's a waste of time because they're not going to fire him, but well, yeah, that's, it, look, I mean, Jeff Duncan knows that organization as well as anyone. And so hearing his thoughts on it was, was really interesting. And then we'll do our, our Lions preview tomorrow. Okay. Well, I will go uh, listen to that. And uh, I love the new studio. <clears throat> I get too, too much of Jeff Duncan, though. I mean, but, but I can see too much of him. We had, to, we had to tell him to stop wearing shorts. Yeah, for the God's angle, sake. The angle was too much. Yeah, I mean, really. Well, I mean, you know, it's bad enough when I just got to look at his face. But, uh the new studio is super nice. Yeah, you got to come see it sometime. I will do. All right, Zach Ewing, uh, we may or may not see you on Sunday. I'm supposed to co- uh, cover the game this weekend, but uh, my wife is out of town. We're trying to see if we can find a babysitter. We've got a lot going on. Just had their tonsils taken out. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so it's been a, been a fun couple of weeks in Derry household. But enjoy the game. Uh, love the coverage, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Glad to be able to bring Zach back in. Uh, we used to have some lively, interesting debates on Bayou Bets. I miss those days. I really do. Um, they were a lot of fun. And uh, Zach has moved on. I mean, he's still down the hall, I guess, as one would say. And I see him on a lot of Sundays when I cover the Saints. Uh, but we don't talk every day like we used to, and I do miss those days. Uh, fun to have him in. I, I was thinking we are going to have a little bit more spirited debate but we kind of think the same way with this one, so it's not nearly as fun. Last year, when we had the, and I still say, I mean, who could really say last year, after it's over, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I wouldn't say, look, I don't like Alabama, but they deserve to be in over TCU. I mean, we had this monster debate. And uh, he won't admit it, but I was proven right when TCU got the doors blown off of them by George in the championship game. A couple of my friends at uh, bet.noah.com, you know, Spencer and uh, Gabe, they both had to wear the red face paint of the Georgia Bulldogs. That would have been funny if I would have had to wear that on the air. Bad enough i got to wear this turkey hat every now and then because apparently I've had some really bad weeks picking. Uh, we do miss Uncle Big Nick as we go out today. Again, uh, our thoughts and prayers go to him. He's having some, his family's having some tough times, and um, we know they'll be okay. And uh, he will be back when he's ready to come back. Hopefully it'll be next Thursday. If not, um, we'll see. Uh, I am actually thinking about kind of combining the Thursday and Friday shows for the rest of the year. We'll see how that goes. So there may or may not be a Thursday show next week. If Uncle Big Nick's coming back, I'll have one. Uh, if not... Probably just push it into Friday. We'll see how that goes. Uh, as far as what we got coming up on the docket, Larry Holder will be here as always tomorrow, our first show of December. We will have not only our Saints predictions and go much deeper into Saints and Lions. Obviously, today we just kind of touched the subject, and it's actually one of my best bets. I mean, you already heard what I think. Not just blowing smoke. I don't say things just so I get... Pe- I, there are a lot of people out there who do radio shows and podcasts and whatever who just say things uh, which they think are, they probably think are asinine, but they say them because it gets people to listen. I don't ever do that. If I say something, I believe it. 
Um, I, may, I may be proven wrong later. I may look silly later. But if I say something, I believe it at the time that I say it. So it is what it is. I think the Saints are going to have a good week this week. Um, I absolutely understand why the average Joe Blow fan can't see it. Can't understand why anyone would pick the Saints. But that's why Las Vegas makes money. Vegas doesn't make money because the team that's supposed to win always wins. If the team that was supposed to win always wins, Vegas would lose a lot of money. Do you know any bookie? Do you know, have you ever heard a story about a casino going out of business because their sports book lost them money? Doesn't happen. There's a reason why they win, because they know what they're doing. And there's a reason why they're in, because things that are supposed to happen often don't in the world of sports. So uh, whenever I talk about Aunt Mabel or Drunk Joe, I'm talking about the betting public. And the betting public is all over the Detroit Lions this week. So take that for what it's worth. We're going to go the other way. Again, we'll get in depth with that with Larry tomorrow afternoon. uh, Tomorrow tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock live on all of our KnowWhat.com and Bet.KnowWhat.com stations. And then here, as I add my monologue, this will be uh, wherever you get your podcast, as you're doing right now. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Everyone have a great Thursday. Enjoy Seahawks and Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. We'll talk to you on Friday. Peace and love, my friends. Do it. You play the guitar on the end.